All right, mom, dad, and competitor nation, get ready for this dual compete every day raising competitors podcast interview with Asia Mape of I Love to Watch You Play. What's up, listeners? Hey, Jake here, your chief encouragement officer. And today is a special episode as we simultaneously air this on the Compete Everyday podcast and our Raising Competitors podcast for youth parents. Now, why in the world would we be sharing one interview on both? If you're talking about youth sports, that has nothing to do with building a competitor mindset. And if you're talking about winning culture and competitor mindset, what in the world does that have to do with youth sports? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because today's conversation is around leadership more than anything. How do we step up as parents, as individuals and leaders and learn to speak up? Learn to say things that need to be said instead of staying silent and just wondering what everyone else is doing. How do we take a more active role in the people that are watching us, whether it's our kids, our coworkers, our friends at the gym, whoever they may be. And so today's conversation I felt was important to share on both platforms because the conversation flowed back and forth between sports, the lessons we learn there, leadership, and raising competitive athletes, raising competitive team members. And so I think you'll find a ton of value from today's chat and want to encourage you to stick with it. And then if you are a parent, I'm going to highly encourage you to check out I love to watch you play.com. They do an incredible newsletter around youth sports that I think you'll get a lot of value out of. Now, we are ending the year strong, Competitor Nation. We are getting ready to wrap up 2020, which means 2021 is right around the corner. What I would love, this is my New Year's wish, this is my end of 2020 wish from you, is that if you could do one of two things to help me out, they take literally just one minute. If you've never left a rating and review for us on iTunes or Spotify, please do that. Please help leave a comment, help someone discover the Compete Everyday podcast. And so leave us a quick rating review if you haven't done that. If you've already done that, the way would I would love my New Year's wish from you would be shoot me an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. Tell me what your favorite episode has been that you've listened to so far, or perhaps tell me about something you want to hear in 2021, whether it's a guest, whether it's a topic point, whether it's a specific challenge you're going through. Take just a minute, email podcast at competeeveryday.com. Tell me what your favorite episode has been to date or Tell me what you want to hear in 2021. We're building more and more content to help you build that winning mindset, to instill a winning culture in your office or maybe even in your home. And so as we're doing that, I want to make sure we are continuing to serve you, to support you, because that's what I'm here for. As your chief encouragement officer, I'm here to inspire courage in you and equip you with the winning mindset so you win your work, your workouts, and your life. So do me a quick favor. Shoot me that note to podcast at competeeveryday.com. Help us create stuff that's going to best serve you. And now, let's get into this week's episode with Asia Mape. Thank you, Jake, for having me. I'm really, really excited. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation. This is a special episode as we air simultaneously on the Compete Everyday podcast and then our Raising Competitors podcast for youth parents. Because of your story and the work you do, I feel is so important for both audiences to listen and learn today. And so what I'd love to do to kick things off is tell us a little bit about yourself 
And I'm curious, what inspired I Love to Watch You Play.com? Well, first off, Jake, I was one of those kids. I never didn't have a ball in my hand. In fact, in every video, you can hear off in the distance, bang, bang, bang. I was dribbling, and every once in a while, you'd see me like dribble past. I was obsessed with basketball. That was my sport, and I played a ton of basketball growing up. Um, and for various reasons, keep keeping up with my brothers, trying to get out of a house that wasn't always the most functional. Um, but I loved it and I loved it and I was obsessed with it. And then I went on from there to work in sports and be around athletes and great athletes and see and watch them and learn from them. Um, so I've always been interested in sports, I always played sports, played college basketball. What did, um, what did you do for, for career-wise in sports? So I was a producer. I worked, you know, with all the, the big networks, Fox. I got my start at Fox Sports, and I worked for ESPN and TNT and, and um, NBC. I did Olympics and Super Bowls and NBA playoffs. And, you know, really, it was a fascinating job because it was, um, you know, it was like watching greatness in action. I would see and then interview. My main thing was really interviewing a lot of the athletes and getting a personal side to them and, telling their stories. So I was more on the storytelling side than like the, you know, working in the truck and the um, actual game day stuff. But um, it was a great, a great career. And I did it for 20 years, 20 plus years. I don't want to date my age myself here, but I did it for a long time. And I'd still be doing it, except for I had my own kids. Um, I have three girls and, you know, now they're 16, 15 and 12, almost 13. But when they started getting in or growing up and getting a little more um, into sports and, and I had already started easing out of my work because it involves so much travel, but we were getting into sports. My oldest was starting club sports. And, you know, I had a friend who is no longer with the website, Alex Flanagan, but she also worked in sports and she called me up and was like, this is crazy. And I, I, I was like a hundred percent in agreement, but it was crazy. The insane thing was we knew it was crazy sports and, and how it felt, but it, it wasn't stopping us from doing it. We were continuing on with all the travel teams. All my kids have played multiple sports. And it was kind of the really the reason to start it was to help ourselves. We were learning and figuring it out and we started our blog and it was sort of a passion project. And we could see it really resonated. I think it resonated with a lot of parents. And so it kind of grew from there into what it is today. One of the things I'm curious about, having played sports yourself throughout most of your life and then getting put into that parent position of, of wanting your kids to play sports, what was kind of the wake-up call for you that it wasn't going to be probably what you expected it to be on the parent side? I mean, I'm still learning those lessons, Jake. I really am. It's hard, you know, but um, it's tough, especially coming from my background and playing in college and being, and you know, and everyone brings their own personality to it. There are, there are parents I know who were high level athletes who are really mellow and calm. It doesn't necessarily translate that you played at a high level that you're going to be all crazy about it. But I definitely had a like, you know, I, I think if I could pinpoint it, I think you forget that they're children and you're remembering, oh, well, when I played basketball, I was out there shooting every day and I'd go for runs and I'd do all this stuff. But that was probably when I was 16, not eight or nine. But I do think there's a disconnect 
between parents remembering back and how they're teaching and working with their kids and what's really appropriate because the truth is and you know cultivating a love for their sport and enjoyment for their sport is really the key when they're young and if you don't do that you're sunk <laughs> absolutely I, I laugh i've had a couple of high school coaches that have been on the show before and, and when they talk about youth sports specifically I asked them like, what's the goal? And they're like, we just want the kids to have fun, like learn basic skills, but have fun because it becomes more serious when you get into high school and college and pro, and you've got to be able to enjoy and have fun as the first time you picked up the ball. I'm curious for you because you have, did you say high school coaches? Cause I don't believe that. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm just kidding. It, it, they say that's the problem. Everyone says they want everyone to have fun, but doing that, is tough, especially in the high school level. But yeah, no, well, sorry. I was going to say, no, they want the kids to have fun before they get to them. So like gotcha. middle school gotcha. and low, like it's just learn basic skills and have fun. I'm curious yeah. for you, having three girls, are any of your daughters not really into sports? And, and what did you learn as a parent of, of maybe trying to push sports on them that probably wasn't a good fit that you now talk about of like, you know, maybe – not all your kids want to play sports, but how do we still get them involved in things? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I mean, my, the girl's dad was also a college um, athlete. He played volleyball at the University of Hawaii. So we both brought that sort of competitive, our kids are obviously going to be athletes kind of attitude. And I do remember my oldest, when she was five or six years old, I had been trying to play basketball with her. And she wasn't having it. And so she was starting to, she was going to play in a league and it was all boys. And I remember thinking, well, she's not really going to like learn from me. I can't teach her anything. Let's get her a, a trainer. And she was like, no, she didn't want to have it. And she looked at me and she goes, mom, I'm an actor, not an athlete. And she was five. And I'm telling you, she, so she is an incredible athlete. That's part of the difficult thing. But in her heart, she knew it then. She told it to me then. She recently stopped playing. She played, she's an amazing water polo player. Just stopped this year to focus completely on her art. She didn't end up being an actor. Well, not yet, but she's definitely an artist. And she, they tell you these things, you know, and we kind of just, and in our family, what we did was sports. We'd play sports, we'd watch sports, we'd talk about sports. It was a lot of sports. So I'm sure as a child, you kind of find, okay, well then I'm gonna play sports. But if you really listen, and if we would have really listened to her, and I, and I don't think she regrets it, maybe she does. But I do, I mean, I, I will say there's a lot of stuff she learned from playing sports all those years that she will be taking into her life, even into art. So it's not that it's a mistake. It's never a mistake to play sports, but knowing and listening and making sure you're cultivating all the right paths and avenues from a young age are really key. Well, and I want to come back to that lessons from sports, but one of the things you talked about there is, is the listening and the conversations we have with our kids. And the reason I, I bring this up is one of the things we've talked about on this show before, and really both of these shows, is the importance of the conversations you're having with your kids and then as an adult that you're having with your team, if it's in an office place setting. Talk to me about those rides to or from games and how maybe those conversations are different now, having gone through the process, having learned, having sharing through your platform versus when maybe you were early on in, in your parenting career, what those post-game conversations were like. Yeah, so this is what they're like now. 
you don't speak. You don't talk about the game. You don't say a word about the game. Uh, my kids are older. They play at a high level. And, it, and it's, A, it's age appropriate, right? Um, when they're little and you're chatting, but keeping it fun and light. Um, when they're older, if they don't want to talk about it. I know myself personally, I was so hard on myself. And I would get so mad. You couldn't talk to me about anything, more or less a game, for if it was a bad one, for like days maybe. But um, those car rides are key, and you really, really don't want to push them on anything. You don't want, and the thing I think parents forget too, the kids, especially the older kids, they've already, A, lived it, right, because they just played the game, B, talked about it with their coach after the game, C, sometimes even talked about it with their friends, oh, that was this, that was as they're walking to the car. By the time they get to the car, They've processed it. They're over it. That talk in the car is really all about the parent, right? And what we want to like give them knowledge about or whatever. And, you know, if they're receptive, I know some kids and parents have that kind of um, relationship and the kid really wants their feedback. Mine don't. I mean, every once in a while they'll ask for it. But in general, you got to just leave, leave the car ride home for fun and talking and don't even bring it up unless they really want to engage on it. Well, and I love that because it's, it's different when they're younger, because when they're younger, you're, it's a little more, you know, lighthearted, but you're also talking about how great a teammate you were. And I love watching how hard you, you ran after the ball today or, or work. You're kind of seeding those little lessons that they're learning on the fly and maybe not connecting those dots so that when they, when they are older, and they do want to have those conversations with you in those rare moments that it isn't silence in the car, you have more of those learning opportunities and can go a little bit deeper. Would you say that's pretty accurate? Yeah, I think that's a great point, actually, Jake. I think, you know, and that's some of those ways, those hard lessons I've learned, which is over, you know, really over talking everything, wanting to get information or whatever, and you end up closing that door. And so if you can keep it light, you can keep it fun, you can plant the seeds, as you're saying, about what you're supposed to be talking about, which is being a good teammate. I saw how you got Susie's water when she went down on the field. That was so nice of you talking about like the positive things and getting a conversation about those and not like, why don't you think you played that much or, you know, some of those. Then maybe down the road, you, you're planting a seed for something that can become you know, more of a mutual conversation between the two of you and, and planting the seed for them about what's important, which really at the end of the day, it is those things. It is those things. And, and speaking of those things, just out of curiosity, what do you feel is the biggest lesson sports taught you when you were playing? And then what do you think is the biggest leadership lesson you remember from covering it on the producer side? Um, from playing you know, I was blessed. I had a, an amazing high school team that won state championship in Virginia. And I don't know if you know the UCLA women's soccer coach, Amanda Cromwell, but she was um, um, my teammate. We were co-captains with another girl, Anne-Marie. Um, and I think Amanda, and as clear from her, she played in the national team. She played at UVA. She's now UCLA head coach, won a championship there. Um, she was a quiet leader and I, and I was blessed, not, not just a quiet leader, but she was also like a very, um, she led by example. She never, you never saw her lose her like emotions. She 
kept it in check and she brought people up. She really did. Like from the, the, the kid on the team that was like the least minutes possible, always inclusive, bringing them, you know, to every team thing and whatever you're in high school and you want, Oh, let's just go. She's always no the whole team. So I think I, I got to learn a lot from her and being around someone of such a, a high caliber athlete was pretty amazing. Um, working wise, you know, I probably interviewed hundreds, thousands of elite level athletes and not all of them, right. Are, are great leaders. That's for darn sure. Um, but I, ha I was blessed um, in a lot of ways because, you know, I didn't get to see them as much. I mean, I could see them on the field in practice a little bit or watching them on TV. But the way I got to see them was sitting down face to face or spending time away from the field a lot because I was doing a lot more of the personal side stories. So it's an interesting but also very telling um, way to see them. And I'd say like a lot of the, the people that you know of as being great leaders were the same in my interview. And so meaning, I'll give you a few examples or the same when I spent time with them. Um, I have to say, I mean, it's still an incredible honor and gives me goosebumps. I got to go to John Wooden's apartment and interview him there. And he spent so much time. We were there for like an hour and a half for like a 20 minute questions about, I mean, the questions were like, he showed us all these pictures of his wife who had passed away. I mean, he couldn't have been um, just more genuine, kind. And, and this sort of behavior is kind of what you see. And when I think about, I mean, I sat down with Peyton Manning and I remember him saying, you've been outside all day. It was hot, it was in Indiana. He's like, let me get you, like he got grabbed some water for me and my crew. Um, Kevin Garnett, I spent a weekend with him and we were at, um, we were in his hometown and he, we went to a basketball gym for pickup games. He said every Wednesday night or whatever it was, everyone goes, he would play his games and then wait. Like if he lost, he would wait with everybody else. He was like so chill and calm. No one even like, you know, even treated him any differently. He didn't expect that. Um, I think the last one really would be Kobe Bryant too. Like I interviewed him early in his career and I was with James Worthy and we went there. James Worthy was my talent and James showed up in a scrappy t-shirt and it was white and you never wear white on camera. And I was like, James, what in the world? And we were like, what are we going to, he's like, I came from a workout or something. Kobe and he ran around to all their teammates lockers looking for something for James to wear. And I mean, these are all different little examples, but it's like people that are good, like solid people with good, um, you know, thoughtfulness and kind and, and thinking about others and not just in their own little um, world about, you know, they, that's, uh, oh, I, I, I one other one I wanted to tell Barry Sanders. I spent, right after he retired, I spent five days with him quiet, calm, the nicest, humble. And they all kind of have that same when you're with them and you spend time with them. And those are the people people want to follow, right? Like you don't want to follow someone like those, they can get their team together and they, they all seem to have that similar trait. Well, and I love that diverse examples because each one led effectively, but very differently. 
And you think about, you know, Wooden, one, he would never have made it in today's game because everybody's so quick to pull the plug if you don't win the first year. But you look at what he did and, and the importance of tying your shoes correctly and how you wore your, like the little things that Wooden paid attention to in building these young men up at such an influential age. And, and then you get into, you know, guys like Kobe that, you know, on the court, like mercenary, like ready to kill you. But he expected those great things of his teammates, which had a lot of those carryovers of, of Jordan and that a lot of people finally got to see in the, the Last Dance documentary. And Garnett, I was just always a fan of his and, and just how he played. And, and you would consider him and Barry Sanders polar opposites in how they look on the field. Because Garnett's so emotional and yeah. and Barry Sanders, the guy, he scores a touchdown, tosses the ball to the ref, goes back, does it again. Yeah. But all of them were so effective in it. And so I love hearing that, but all of them were in tune with others and the importance yeah. of the others and, and the connections and the relationships in that. Because I think that's so key for all of us today is at the end of it, leadership's about connecting with people and influencing those people. That, that is it at the basis of how can we build connection right. through vulnerability and trust, and then how can we influence them, hopefully, in a good manner. One of the things that I've heard you talk about before is, is just not even in a leadership per se role, but as a parent of a youth athlete, you are so interconnected with other parents of youth athletes. And a lot of times it's really easy for us to sit back and see what all the other parents are going to do before we decide to make a decision for our kid. Mm -hmm. Sometimes though, I've heard you talk about the importance of, of really stepping up and just making that decision and what's best for your kid in that moment, even if it may not appear to be on the outside at what everyone else is doing. Talk to me about that from your standpoint, because I know you write about it. You write about the importance of, of off seasons and rest and, and, you know, wearing these kids out at such a young age that sometimes parents just need to step up and say, hey, let's take the ball out of your hand for a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think that's a big thing. And that's the main thing, right? It's like, we all kind of realize how crazy sports have, youth sports have become. We all, I mean, like my website is for successful, happy, healthy athletes. Okay, so everyone's like, well, how do you get to that with the system, right? Yeah. Well, you get to that by being a leader to your kids, as far as showing by example, by, to the parents, by making a stand when it's not right for your kid and it's not healthy and it's not the best choice, sometimes you have to step up and say, I'm not doing it. And the funny and interesting thing that happens is when someone in your community, meaning your team or your friends, hears you say, well, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to pay $1,000 and go to that camp where they're um, going to be training soccer every day for 10 hours after in between our two tournaments or whatever, then someone else says, oh, you know what, maybe I won't too, you know, and then someone else. It's like everyone is so afraid of making these choices because they don't want to take a step back. They don't want their kid to be the only one not getting the extra training. They don't want their kid but sometimes that's exactly what it takes to start affecting change. And we all need to be thinking in this way to make tiny shifts. The way I think about the website and what we're doing, if we can affect one parent in a tiny little shift of how they're viewing it and the choices they make and what they're saying to their kids and how they're speaking, we can A, domino that by just this kind of behavior. You step up, you say something, or they tell their um 
you know, they talk, say something to their kid that resonates and the kid plays a little longer. It's little shifts, making tiny changes that will eventually, hopefully make a big difference. And that's really why we do the website. You know, anytime I hear a feedback that somebody, oh yeah, I read that article and I didn't do this the next time I had my, my kid in the car, I think to myself, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Like you're your relationship might be better with your kid. Your kid might play longer, everything. I mean, we have to start making a little shift in our mindset and how we do everything. And I think parents standing up and making sure people know that they're doing that is important. Well, and it, it just goes back to the title of, of your brand and website. I love to watch you play. It's not about, I love to watch you score. I love when you win. I just love to watch you play the game. And hopefully the kid loves to play that game. And by doing so, they stay in that sport longer, whether it's just to high school, whether they get a chance to go on and play college at the D3 or even if the D1 level, they continue to play because in playing, as we've talked about on here, off air, there's so many lessons in sports, learning not to give up, how to be a great teammate, dealing with adversity, all of the things that kids need. Yeah. And sports creates that safe environment for and so that's what I really appreciate about the work you're doing is because it's about the parent being supportive, enjoying watching them play, win or lose. How are they attacking it? How are they handling it? How are they getting better? And how can I just support you so you keep playing it? That's right. It is so important. And, you know, you talk about it. It helps you in so many different ways. And I was just, I want to share something really yeah. quick. Um, I'm getting ready to put up some good stuff from this. Um, the University of Michigan, my alma mater, has um, a student athlete leadership um, branch to it. And so Brian Townsend, he runs it. He was talking about this and it just resonated so clearly. And it's not just, um, you know, it's not just being a good employer. It's going to be being a good spouse, being a good parent. But some of the stuff that he mentioned, I really just wanted to share because yeah. it's so key is, is, he talked about athletes. So this is why employers like to hire athletes. And I'm sure you, you've heard this stat, 94% of female CEOs, COOs, CFOs played sports and 54% in college because it does, it just gives you, like I was talking about my daughter who played, who does art now, the grit she learned from water polo. Believe me, she's going to be like the artist working the longest, the hardest, because she she's felt that. But he was telling, I want to get back to Brian, he said some awesome things. Athletes, they take on challenges. They can deal with feedback. They have work ethic, or they should, used to making mistakes. They, they work with people and from all different backgrounds and from different, you know, they know how to work together. They understand culture and how their actions affect that culture. They think with a team mindset, they're self-starters, multitaskers, and can handle a lot of things at once. It's all these things. This is what it's all about, right? It's the reason you have a job and I have a job and we want people to play sports because it's sports and what they can bring about in people. And when I read that list and I listened to him talk, I was just like, yes. I mean, that's what it's all. There's so much to learn and gain from playing sports. Yeah, it's, it is a game changer for me. And, and the funny enough, the older I get, the more from writing books and content and podcast interviews, the more I'm reminded of lessons 
from sports and different examples of when a coach would hold me accountable. And, and these things that at the time you, you got a little bit of it, but as you're older and you can look back and reflect, you realize like that's what they're teaching you in those moments. Asia, this has been so incredibly fun. Where can listeners get connected to you? Where can they sign up for your email, which is amazing, by the way, uh, and get plugged into the I Love to Watch You Play community? So I love to watch you play.com is where they should go. We have, it'll have a pop-up or join the community up there. And we do have a weekly newsletter um, that will be super helpful. It just gives you all the information I'm talking about right to your, your inbox every day. Um, and we also, we just redid the website. So before it was more like a blog kind of form. Now it's like a tool. This was sort of my dream so that it's really helpful. You can get in there and search things that you want information on and that you're worried about or that's on, on the top of your mind. We have like over 350 articles, I think, on, on just about everything involved in helping youth sports parents. So, um, and off of there, you'll have our Instagram and our um, you know, Twitter and all that stuff is, is right there on the website. Awesome. Listeners, I love to watch you play.com. If you are the parent of a athlete, a future athlete, or you know someone who is, please share this episode, get them connected to I love to watch you play. And Asia, thank you so much for hanging out this week. Thank you so much, Jake. That was so much fun. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. As always, drop us a note with your feedback to podcast at competeeveryday.com. Check out more episodes, find amazing apparel, get connected with the community at competeeveryday.com. And until next week, bring your best, show up every day regardless of how you feel, and be that type of competitor you were created to be. Oh, my God.